Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week we are celebrating the career of Bruce Willis. It's weird to do one of these episodes when the person is still alive, but uh, Bruce Willis uh, has has made the announcement that he's retiring from acting. We asked our wonderful uh, patrons and followers over at patreon.com and at Facebook to help us decide what Bruce Willis film we should watch. We've already done Die Hard. We've already done Pulp Fiction. That basically left The Fifth Element. So that is what we are watching today. And as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film before and returning to the program for the first time in 2022, it's Dr. Sarah Curtis. Hello, it's been far too long. It has. Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year. Um, uh, what, what's, what's been going on with you, Dr. Sarah, since since 2021? Anything new? Well, I have been dodging the podcast a bit. I do apologise for that. I was nearly a guest at least five times, and I kept <laughs> saying no at the last minute. Was it because you had something big on that was sort of detracting you? Well, there? you know, like my work, my mother, you know, mm. family. Yeah, maybe a, a change of scenery. I feel like you're hinting at something which I'm not remembering. It was that big. Uh, oh, yeah! House? <laughs> <laughs> Where we're sitting? Yeah, yeah the, the, the new house that we're sitting inside. I, I was doing a bit, but apparently you, you completely missed. <laughs> I thought you were joining in on the bit. <laughs> No, no, you know this big building we're inside that we've all met at today? You own this house, apparently. Shit, so I do. Wow. <laughs> Does she, is she, or is she maybe squatting? I think she might be. I'm definitely oh, squatting. I mean, it yeah. took so long for it to be built. I feel like I'm squatting. Yes. <laughs> See, uh, it took me so, it took so long for it to be built that I forgot how, that it's supposedly new. Because yeah. it's taken two years. It has. Uh, but, you know. These things happen. Uh, yeah, I definitely moved house. Yes. That is the thing that happened. You moved house. We're sat inside it. It's very nice. It's very clean. Everyone listening at home. You've Lots been... of swords. Lots of swords. Yes, as you'd expect. Um, Fifth Element. Yeah. What do you know about this film? Is this the one with the orange hair? Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's what I know. Cool. I all, bandages. I, yeah. I also haven't seen it. So I, I actually, I know there's orange hair. Look, I feel like I, I should have waited an extra night to dye my hair because it was orange yesterday, accidentally. Mm. And then I, I went back to pink because um, uh. it had faded out. And I was like, no, it's time to pink again. I should have waited so I could match the film. Yes. But uh, thankfully, this is an audio medium. So for... <laughs> well, we did take photos. We did take photos. But yes, it's an audio medium for our f- folks at home. Uh, so, so that's it. You just know there's some orange hair. Yeah. And it's sci-fi? Yep. Nailed it. Yep. You've got it. Oh, yeah. I'm it, so good at this. It's like you've seen the whole thing. Yep. Luckily, we have someone who has seen the film, and it is Katrina Johnston. Hello. Uh, welcome back, Katrina. Thank you. Uh, Katrina, have you had any big life-altering things, like a um, house you forgot about <laughs> in the last few months? <laughs> no, I just quit my job. <laughs> oh, okay. So that is yeah, actually yeah, a pretty yeah. recent But I didn't forget about that. Yeah, I, no. did, I did tell you guys as soon as I came in. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was very front and centre. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations. Yeah. And um, it was quit for a good reason. Because okay. further career progression. Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, well done. And yeah. uh, have a little level up noise. Yeah. Uh, so, Fifth Element. Yes. Um, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what's this film about? So... Um, it's set in the future, mm-hmm. uh, and the world is facing a possible apocalypse, mm-hmm. and there are things that need to be done to save it. Um, 
like and climate change action is, uh, is, it, is it one of these things it's a bit more immediate oh, okay. okay like like i thought you said this was set in the future i know it's like <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's it's kind of the best way to describe it i was trying to think i was trying to think about this and i'm like you know have you have you seen sarah have you seen um back to the future the first one yes i have yes so you know how back to the future imagines the future mm-hmm. in kind of this sort of schlocky fun way imagine that but that's the entire film but a little bit a little bit dirtier yeah i was expecting quite dark and gritty it's i wouldn't describe it as gritty um it has its dark moments um but it overall it is quite a fun film and i think mm. you will both enjoy it it is very uh, it's a very good popcorn film i think we better get the popcorn then indeed uh, with all that being said shall we watch the fifth element yes i'm excited multipass okay for those of you listening at home uh, prepare to pop in those dvds load up those streaming services and say yippee kaye mother oh wait that's not this bruce willis film no, it's uh, i see dead people no that's no. not this one um lilo dallas multipass yes there we go yeah. uh yeah lilo lala multipass i haven't seen it i don't know what the words are <laughs> what was it sorry lilo is it is, am i getting the last name correct i can't remember yeah, it is. Lilu Dallas Multipass. All right, I'll give it a crack. <clears throat> and Lilu Dallas Multipass as we watch The Fifth Element. Welcome back. We have just finished watching The Fifth Element. And by we, I of course mean Katrina Johnson. Hello. And Dr. Sarah Curtis. What did I just watch? Well, can you tell us actually, Dr. Sarah, what what <laughs> did you just watch? What did you think of The Fifth Element? It was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it got started, it never lied about what it was doing. It was very honest in its... Sort of mashup between um, Star Trek, Stargate, Star Wars. It was like mm-hmm. the holy trinity of stars. Mm-hmm. A bit of Doctor Who thrown in there. It was really dumb. It was really fun. I had lots <laughs> of fun yelling things at the screen. And if I had popcorn, I would have thrown it mm. uh, at all the misogynists. But uh, yeah, it was good fun. I mean, there wasn't too many misogynists. Like for the nineties, it was about it was about your standard. Can you hear yourself? I'm just saying, for the nineties, it was pretty stock standard level. There have been much worse in some of those series that you have just named. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Katrina, when did you last watch The Fifth Element? Um, I actually can't remember. Possibly a year ago. Um. But it's you know it's something that if it pops up on TV I'll I'll probably watch it okay um, because it's just it's just fun and I have I was realizing as I was watching it I think I actually watched this for the first time when I was probably about nine years old right. so possibly right as it came to video right um, because even though there are some scenes which aren't very family friendly it is generally on the whole acceptable to watch by adults and by younger children ish yeah like yeah i mean just thinking about this my first time watching it Mm. i'd I'd agree yeah i think about 90 percent of the scenes are like 
oh yeah, you know, space violence, mm. you know, like, ah, oh, the weird pirate aliens getting shot and blowing themselves up by pressing the secret button on the gun and th- yeah. that kind of thing. You know, it's only, you know, Chris Tucker having sex with that flight attendant that's really... <laughs> but it's not on screen, so it's fine. No, no, it's 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 more of like a like a fun cheeky carry-on style yeah. visual joke with like as the landing gear is going her legs yeah. go up for the thing and it's like it's the sort of thing where i'm like i'm really glad i don't have to explain this to a child today <laughs> i guess like if that was yeah, watching with a child who's like what's going on there you'd be hard pressed to go they're having sex i'm sorry that's just <laughs> you just have to be honest and be like that you know when a when a celebrity personality meets an air hostess for literally the first time <laughs> and has shown behavior, which means that he can basically get whatever he wants, yeah. then that's what happens. Yeah. You're learning about celebrity culture today, Timmy, <laughs> and how it's awful. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a weird film. Um, it, it is undeniably a, a weird film. Um, the, the plot, though, is, is quite simple for something mm. that has a lot of names and a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot like, of storylines. A, a really. lot of storylines. There's, there's about three or four. Yeah, but they they, they manage to tie them all together mm. reasonably. They keep them reasonably tight to each yeah. other. Um, so there's this thing called the fifth element because there's four other elements: earth, mm-hmm. wind, and fire. Uh, and then their lesser known fourth band member, water. Mm. Uh, and then um, the fifth element, which is love, which is love slash um, woman. I think Leon. the idea behind it is the fifth element is the human element. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the spark Which sort of, of ties in that whole love mm. protection. But then, you know, we were having a conversation halfway through about um, th- them calling her a thing at several mm-hmm. times. Like, oh, she's not a thing. Mm. If she is the human element, then she's definitely not a thing. Mm. So that's nice. Yeah. 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 I think there's some interesting use of, of language in this film. And I think it's, it's quite important to remember that, that its origins is... Uh, in French, the origins of this text are in French, and I do wonder whether or not the translation. Um, you know, Luc Besson obviously is is a French creator, mm. creator who then obviously put this into English, and a lot of his influences were from French texts. I'm not a, an expert on the French language, so I don't know whether or not there would be a translation that is as literal as. Oh, we're referring to them as a thing, so this is a thing. I would personally, I would probably put it more down to just lots of men being the creatives. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing as well, yeah. but, but I, I can't rule that out. It just no. in terms of yeah, and it, the language is what I would expect from a '90s film yeah. written oh, by yes, men. Oh yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's just, just throwing it out there. It could be that the French are misogynist. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, considering how they treat is Islamic women or Muslim, sorry, Muslim women. Um, yeah, I would say they are. Yeah. Anyway, we have the five elements. Yeah. And there's these large aliens that turn up in Egypt in 1914 that are going to sort it out, going to help keep the stones safe because every 5,000 years, evil turns up. Mm-hmm. And... Okay, but question. Mm. Yes. Why do they have to take the stones out? Wouldn't it be it better did, no, to just did, leave did, them? No, they said um, they that war was coming. Right, right at the beginning. Okay. And they're like, we don't. So they tr- could sense World War One. Yeah, they don't trust the human race, so they have to come protect the stones. Mm. I wouldn't they, either. By, to and be by fair. taking and protect them by taking. Yeah, them. So they got Zygons. So General Grievous characters. Yeah, came to save the day. Duck yeah. faces. Yeah. So, the the Napoleonic War wasn't an issue for them though, because a hundred years previously, oh, you know, the French. 
I don't know. May, who knows? Maybe they came. Maybe they came during the Napoleonic War as well, and, and went and then brought them back. Maybe. Like, okay, it's probably fine. Ah, World War. Okay, okay. This. Or maybe it's we're, because we're maybe it's because World War One is generally considered, mm. at least by lay people, to be one of the biggest, most um, like a new scale of war. Okay, that's fair. So that yeah, could new be, technology, that could the, the whole world. Yeah, is they're involved. looking at it, going like Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, no, fine, he's not going to cause yeah. too much trouble. Uh, okay, World War One. Yeah, the fact we're calling it World War One. Yeah, okay, let's yeah. let's get these out of here. So they do get the stones out of there. Um, and then we cut forward three hundred years when big bad evil thing is going to happen because the mm-hmm. big bad Doctor Who flux cloud turns up and it's like I'm a big evil entity. Ooh, mm. and they don't know what to it's do like with evil it. Evil planet. Yeah. What if it just wanted to be friends? Did they think of asking it? Well, I don't. To be fair, it didn't really let them. Yeah, and it kept like disrupting their communication. Maybe a gift basket. I, I think it was. I mean, the satellites were kind of like a gift basket. <laughs> yeah, and it just ate them. Yeah, and then got bigger and was like, yeah. I'm going to destroy more things. And then, you know, make Gary Oldman bleed oil or chocolate or blood. Not sure what. Mm. Delicious. Yeah, they know? were definitely, it was definitely portrayed as an evil entity. I think yes. we can safely say wasn't there to do anything good. Well, it or, wasn't yeah. orange, therefore it was evil. Yes. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, there's a cab driver in New York mm-hmm. um, pl- played by Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, this character is uh, Corbin Dallas. Yes. Yes, he's uh, surprisingly for a Bruce Willis character. He's a down-on-his-luck guy in a tank top who smokes cigarettes a lot, uh, has problematic relationships with any women in his life and uh, just doesn't take any responsibility for anything that he's, do- he's doing. And his retired military. And his retired mm. military, yeah. It is very much like if you want a John McClane type character, yeah. you get Bruce Willis. Like yeah. he's, he's, I don't like this film. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, I, I do not think this is a good film. He is, I would almost say, too good to be in this film. The, the performance I would doing. disagree I think he is at the perfect level for this film mm. I also disagree I think this is a great film mm. um, obviously it is a great film for what it is yes um, and yeah like I I think several of the actors Gary Oldman is the one that springs to mind we're just looking at this film as a paycheck mm. but that being said they still fit into into the whole the into the film as a whole I believe. Mm. So. I, I just feel as though Bruce Willis had to work the hardest out of everyone in well, this Well, so he's the main protagonist, so yeah, of and, course. Well, I, and I don't think he really had to work hard with his acting chops. And I know no. we're on a Bruce Willis episode. Yeah. The whole point is, But yeah, he's Bruce not Willis. a good actor. I don't like him as an actor. I'm probably the worst person to be on this episode Ooh. because I've never enjoyed okay. any film he's ever been in. See, I enjoy his films, but I also accept that he is he is what he is. Mm. He's He's an action star who can do a bit of comedy and that's kind of it. Mm. Um, the the only Bruce Willis film that I think was really, really good, and this is potentially um, because of the style of film, was Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. Not seen it. Wes Anderson. Mm. So yeah. he fits very well into that. Like, But, but everyone who's kooky and weird fits into that film so. yeah I, I just feel as though this film was definitely written with like yeah this this is a we need a bruce willis type mm. actor i wonder if bruce willis is available i, he, I just think he's very he's very watchable mm. um like he, he does a really good job of and i know this might seem obvious for an actor he does a really good job of his face always tells you exactly what that character is thinking yeah 
there's no there's no subtlety <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like for these films for these fish out of water um situations like that that's who you want mm. you know die die hard wouldn't work if it was like somebody that was uh too too like hiding their face or too too um, yeah. un- unemotive like yeah. he, he very much reacts to how weird things are um and i think i think he's yeah he's, he's quite good in this film even if his character is not a particularly well written character and the film that he's in is just a mess, Katrina. I, I, this it's is not a this mess. is a dreadful, <laughs> messy film. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm forming my opinion as, as we go, but I think I formed it about halfway through. This film makes. Yeah, looking at your face yeah. while watching this, I was like, oh, oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't done a podcast with Stephen where he's gone. What the. F- <laughs> it's it's I'm just about to experience it. Well, here we go, baby, because we got we got notes. <laughs> um, so, okay, th- things which are quite good, like it is yeah. stylistically quite unique, mm. and like you can really tell that a lot of attention has gone into those aspects of the film, like mm. like having all the costumes there and having um, Jean Claude Gaultier doing Jean Paul Gaultier, Jean Paul Gaultier, sorry, they're yeah. doing. Um, uh, the costume elements yeah. and things like that like the, the costumes are great mm. um yeah the, the costumes that R- ruby uh, rod is wearing are yeah. just like th- they're amazing yeah. um and like just everything looks so it all of meshes. this new world yeah it all meshes i find yeah so i recently watched uh the new season of the mandalorian the boba fett chapter yes um and there is a group of characters in there mm. if you've seen other oh, mods you, the mm. mods yeah they look so out of place they do. yes um and like that's just what came to mind because mm. i'm like no there is no one character all the characters have their own flavors obviously mm. but there is no one character that looks out of place no so i'm going to disagree somehow Every character in this film is out of place. Everything in this film is out of place. Mm-hmm. Nothing belongs. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You've got you've got Ian Holm doing a very good job of being a lost, confused man. He's uh, a priest. It, yeah, he's a priest. And that's all we know about him. But he's in, like, even within his own monastic order, he's got these, like, red uh, and, like, gold trim kind of robes. And then the guy next to him is wearing one of the bloody Devo hats from Crack That Whip. Like, it's just... <laughs> there's There's no stylistic joining together of that okay it's their own version of a yarmulke and like religious robes are always weird mm. i mean That's greek fair. orthodox well orthodox church just saying yeah they 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 can make a costume and i was here for the red shiny priest robes they, they were fun oh they yeah. were great but like you then have that you have gary oldman's weird plastic thing he's wearing mm. half the time on his head what about the short shorts? Yeah, Loves the short, the short shorts. shorts. And the so rugby many, team. I forgot how many short shorts there were in this, like so across yeah. some different background characters. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, some some of the some of the costume elements and those designs are outstanding. Um, Lilu's like tape costume from mm. when she's first her, cla- like yeah. pretty three D ba- printed. Her bandage costume. Her bandage costume is is a a great design. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very striking. It's very striking. It's um, and, uh, but I also like that it doesn't stick around. Mm. Like it's there for the escape sequence, and then they put her in some proper clothes, and they yeah. forget to give her a bra because there's no bras. There's in no space. bras in space. Or the future. That's that's mm. how that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like so yeah some of those bits were, were great but it just the whole the whole film and i think the costumes represent this a lot of attention went into them but did anybody think do do these things belong together because i felt like that with the plot i felt like that with the story tonally okay. it shifts all over the place where we literally have sequences with like almost like comedy looney tunes kind of music just after we've had like the fate of the galaxy is bad and this guy just straight up murdered these people and fired a million people and then it goes in rebuttal i put han solo yeah throughout all of star wars just saying Mm -hmm. he is that character that you are that you are that whole scenario that mm. you're referring to. And in regards to weird-ass fashion, my rebuttal, teenagers today. Mm. Yeah. Just there. Or Just... ever. Teenagers ever. Yeah. Yeah, but teenagers today didn't all clump together and spend $80 million and go, watch this for two hours, Stephen. <laughs> they have not done that to me, but Luc Besson has. And so I have no issue with the youth of today uh, in, in, <laughs> in this regard. regard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I think the part of the problem for me is that there is stuff I really like. Mm. I, I I really like the um, I forget the name, but the the uh, pirate a- a- aliens. Oh yeah, I can't remember who have the shape shifting ability. Yeah. But when they're in their their natural form, mm. they just basically look like a big pair of lips. Yeah, but they're, they're um, the the animatronics mm. for for making those faces move, like yeah. and the puppetry that was mm. occasionally happening as yeah. well. That was cool. I. Yeah loved that and i was i to be honest i would have been happy with the film just about them and you know they were a bit silly and a bit goofy um and that maybe would have worked had the rest of the film stuck to being as silly and goofy but it had these moments of trying to jump into being this like grand space opera and it just never quite knew where to go and I, I just sat there with whiplash, with like whiplash of the soul, just I feel being like, like you were taking it very seriously. Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe it's I kinda, am taking it's kinda it too. Not meant to be. I don't know. I have a doctorate in science fiction. Do I take science fiction too seriously? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I do. Good thing maybe I wasn't on the last oh, musical. Doctor Stevens angry. <laughs> it's just uh, I have had I have had a very long week, and. <laughs> To be no- fair, this time last week, weren't we in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Normally when I've had a very long week, I, I, I come on this program and sit down <laughs> and the film is like a nice soothing balm. And what <laughs> what happened with The Fifth Element is they went, no, 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 no. We're just going to we're just gonna make weird stuff happen. And you know what? That's on me. That's on me for not setting up my week to be better set up <laughs> to watch this film. It, it, it is trying to do something that a lot of films don't even attempt which is to be incredibly unique and mm. to make big bold choices and, so and that's yeah. the thing i don't think it was aiming to be incredibly unique i think mm. in, in terms of design yes but yeah. as a whole it was just trying to 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 create something original but not necessarily like unique as in oh, trying to think of a comparison not not they're not trying to be Wes Anderson or something like that. Mm. Um, I think it's trying to be unique uh, in like the first of a new type of genre or something mm. um, because it's still very mainstream. Like the you think of the plot, if you toned down, if you changed the design, maybe put it on Earth, just on Earth, it could be a Tom Cruise film. It could be an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. It mm. could be any kind of action film. Mm. Um yeah, I think, I think you, I think you, 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 yeah, you're getting your week to, 
really affect you. I would mm. be interested to see if you give this some time. Yeah. And then when you when you have a bit more of a casual week, you Maybe. watch it again. I mean, I mean, as as a first time viewer of this, Sarah, I'm assuming that you've had a less hard week. Uh, oh, I've had a pretty hard week. Yeah. Uh, but I had a rollicking time just mm. then. Um, <laughs> I think my facial expressions, as we were watching it, and my running commentary, um, mm. you know, definitely show that. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think. My expectations after that first five minutes of them being in Egypt, I was like, okay, Stargate. I like Stargate. It's dumb. It's fun. I'm in that dumb, fun sort of mood. Mm. And I got about halfway through and went, if I was just watching this on my own, by this point, I might have stopped watching because Mm. the first half an hour is, it's kind of like, a oh, what's happening? Nothing's really happening. Don't even care. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, I am glad I finished watching this Mm. because... I just had a ball and yeah, everything was crazy and gimmicky and like there was Titanic in space and why, who cares? Because it was a story about going from point A to point B. That was the entire plot. It was just a bunch of stuff in the middle to try to stop them, but we knew they were always going to get there. It was always going to be the power of love. They set this up by him kissing an unconscious woman with, you know, that he just she met. She wasn't, un- oh, you're talking about the first. Right, yeah, the first kiss. Yeah. yeah. When I was like, oh boy. And I'm like, it's okay. She Although punches I, him. I, I loved her pointing the gun at his head and him being like, yep, yep, that was a bad choice. So I was like, yeah, surprisingly... Not yeah, but, completely awful for a 90s film. Well, that was a very 90s feminist reaction, mm. so, yeah. yeah. It was weed and feminism. Actually, yeah. Let's not... That's not a that name. Let's, let's just yeah. I mean, push that to the side. Yeah. I mean, the it's cast, the cast are, do a pretty good job. I mean, Millie Jovovich, I think, is... I really think she is good. probably the one that is most disserviced by this film. Mm. Um, and the character is, a, a, yeah. like, the character does, she's really there just as a plot device. It's mm. like Bruce Willis is mainly, is the main protagonist. Mm. And if if this, that is probably the main issue that I have with this film as an older, and now that I'm older and can understand things a bit more, um, is that, yeah, she isn't really given anything to do. She has mm. one fight sequence Mm. And that's kind of it. Yeah, and and um, while we were watching it, uh, Dr. Mm. Ellen Sears, who is also here and was watching the film, um, brought up the the born sexy yesterday mm. trope of having these characters that are usually female characters who have just been brought into the world and they're incredible and they're sexy and they're great and they know how to do things and they're literally brand new. Mm. Uh, and Which means case, that they're also quite naive. Yeah, mm. and yeah. and we see that with. Um, just just the fact that a lot of Lilu's behaviours are mm. a little bit childlike. Yeah. Like when she gets the chicken from the microwave, which I was all for that, the kind of like yeah. food replicating yeah. thing. And she goes, chicken, good. Like the, these chicken kind of things. Good. But that That is yeah. literally, there's so many lines in this and ways of saying words that I realised that me and my younger sister, because we loved this film as mm. kids, um, replicated. Mm. Um, just like, like the the chicken, the chicken line, multi pass, multi pass. We would say that to each other. My brother would come up and oh, what, which one would he say? Oh, like some of Ruby Rod's lines. He mm. would come up and say say to me things like that. We all, my whole family, more all of us kids, we really liked this film. Yeah, Ruby Rod was incredibly annoying. Um, but that's Which, the, the yeah, point. That's the point <laughs> like, I was, uh, yeah, I, I was like, I can't be mad at you, Chris Tucker. You're nailing this. This yeah. is, this is sensational. Even though obviously this character is meant to be completely yeah. annoying, but he's just 
you can never accuse him of not throwing himself into a role like he's just completely there having having a great time um yeah and yeah gary oldman just 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 making some choices (laughs) accent yeah yeah like it's 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 a strange it's a strange one but he's He's not an uncompelling villain, even if he is reasonably one-dimensional. The interesting thing is he, as the... Because he's kind of the main villain in the sense that you see the most of him. Hmm. Um, He, as the villain, and Bruce Willis as the protagonist, do not meet at all. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. They never meet throughout the film. They don't have to. Mm. Yeah. And, And I guess maybe that's... Part of the fun of this film is the sort of multi interweaved mm. storylines but the the fact that stuff just seems to sort of be happening mm. and even though there, we see consequences of actions the sort of consequences of just there's some stuff here as opposed to consequences of like characters making choice and in, mm. like it affecting other characters and that's fine i guess <laughs> is how <laughs> i would put it it's just yeah yeah it, it's just I a... mean there's many films like that I yeah. mean just the whole premise of he's he's a just an ordinary guy just sort of flung into the situation that's kind of there's many other it's films most like Hollywood that. except he's not an ordinary guy well yes but he's like he's secretly well not secretly but he's got skills and stuff like mm. that yeah, it's like um, we, we know we're going to throw him into dangerous situations what skills can we give him I know the army the army yeah. skills in general that's going to, oh we know that his secret army skills though okay that makes him even more special but well, he's yeah. a taxi driver yeah because he because mm. he left yeah mm. the opera was quite good mm. I'll, I'll, give, I'll, you know, I'll give it that the, the... it was like a disco opera yeah well Texas and this is actually one of the issues that i had was mm. was so we have the first sequence where it's mostly just the blue opera singer doing her thing and singing doing it beautifully yeah. and then we start to get the fight sequence mixed into it the that mixture i thought actually undercut the opera scene Mm. Because all of a sudden the opera singer is singing this like faster operatic beat with a yeah. with a sort of drum fight beat that I didn't think was at the opera. Mm. That drum fight beat for me was like diegetic to the fight sequence. So from the opera's perspective, if you're in the audience, she's just spent half the show singing beautifully. And then the other half, she's going, ooh, ah, ooh, like making all these weird <laughs> noises. And I was just... I think yeah. I think the point is because she's an alien, she's she sings normally, but then she's like, because I'm an alien, I can do all this other stuff. Yeah. That's what she's then demonstrating. It, yeah, it was just... Sometimes when they blended different scenes and had different characters, like in one scene, finishing a sentence that would have been in the yeah. scene we just saw, sometimes it worked really well. But in that sequence, I was like, "No, nah, I'm not, not, I'm not having it." Sorry, mm. it's, it's. I think it was the working. fact that she was dancing along, like the the, the sound of her singing yeah. itself was fine, even though it didn't quite blend so much with the beat. But mm. it was just the fact that she was dancing to the beat, yeah, as she was singing a slightly different thing. and maybe that's mm. what and i didn't have issues not... with it yeah i thought it was fun but yeah. it just made me like go oh for a second before going oh, i'm into this yeah, maybe non-human yeah. operas are like that you know what? that's fine that's that's fine if that's the way um she hit the stones inside her yeah why somehow yeah. don't know and don't she know. could still sing i mean yeah there's a whole bunch of lo- there's a there's some logic in here oh there's there's that... logic <laughs> there's just i officially checked out when zong or whatever his name was zorg. zorg when he um 
when he went back and turned off his own bomb and then the pirates just activated <laughs> their own bomb which had the same time which had the five second timer left and it was almost like the film was saying hey steven you for like <laughs> trying to care about this plot that's when it became austin powers yeah it, it did but didn't do it as well as austin powers did quite frankly oh, i don't know like it's i always hated austin powers yeah, yeah it, it just it completely undercut any of the non-silliness that, mm. that the film had been sort of going towards and then I, I couldn't care about the final sequence when they turn up i'm like oh he's gonna figure out he's gonna blow on it and that'll make the rock oh look he blew on it uh, i guess they'll just spit on it oh no they use sweat that was the one thing that surprised me was that ian holm just used his sweaty head instead of <laughs> spitting on it the rest of it was like fire oh i wonder if they're gonna use the the box of matches we saw in that one shot of that one time oh it's foreshadowing no it's not it's just stuff happening you helpless I'm... <laughs> whoever wrote this i hope you're not listening <laughs> i just find this film very poorly made in, in i'm just i'm angry at it because i wanted to like it and i can't i don't think it's any more poorly made mm. than a michael bay film <laughs> or um like it's as i've said it it is what it says on the tin mm. it's a mainstream sci-fi film with an original well you're saying it's based off a text well yeah, uh, yeah so, so luke, we'll get into this in the trivia but mm. luke Besson pulled on some um some science fiction uh, graphic novel comic yeah. material uh, which uh, other uh, creators in the field may have uh, drawn upon and not cited openly mm. uh, see george lucas um whereas lupuson was like no i want to do this and like it like because this was a big passion project for mm. him he started making this as like a teenager yeah. and it took him 22 years to make and the fact that he was a teenager when he started making this really shows in the attitude of some of the characters in the film and that's fine because it's not unique to this film mm. that that's like an an, a, an issue that lots of films have yeah. and like it is a film that is really loved and like the, the chase sequences with the with the mm. flying cab and the cop cars yeah. was was actually good fun the graphics mm. don't hold up particularly well but it didn't matter yeah. because it was still fun and engaging and i feel as though some of those sequences worked really well but the reasons why they were there didn't hold up for me and i don't know why i've got this expectation that the fifth element should have had you know a decent storyline i don't know why it's i feel it's like it's been hyped for so yeah, long yeah, it's been hyped to me yeah yeah it does have a, a bit i think it does have a little bit of a cult following not mm. as much as something as say like well star trek or star wars mm. or even um the only other culty film i can think of is rocky horror mm. um but I mean, if you think about it, all those cult examples, they also have massive plot holes. Mm. They have massive pacing issues and issues where things just don't join very well. Yeah. Original Star Wars. I think mm. uh, one of the things is I can't think of a moment where a character developed or learnt anything. The fact that Zorg got caught out twice with the empty crate trick <laughs> yeah. was like was was i think was just emblematic of like he didn't change i i, I believe i would argue i would argue that corbin changed because he admitted his feelings vocally to a person that he cared for but those feelings the were bullshit he didn't love her he did he, he i don't think he did i wouldn't call that love i'd call that 
infatuation. It's movie love. Yeah, I mean, she's, what, a day old at this point? Well, she's not because she's actually been, she's actually over 5,000 years old. Um, She's been recreated from the cells, from her living cells that were found in the wreckage. So Hmm. she's not a day old. That body is a day old. The body is a day old. The one that he's losting after. her, Her brain isn't. Just felt it, yeah. I didn't buy the romance of uh, those characters. And given that, um, given that the fifth element is essentially love, not buying the romance, I, I think it's a problem. It's, I don't think it's necessarily love. Mm. It's just love gives her a reason to mm. to be human and to engage with humanity. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily have to be love. You could make this as a pl- like a platonic friend storyline. Yeah, quite easily. Um, and the result would be the same. The point is, with her, particularly with her researching the war thing, is mm. she's going, humans are trash, mm. and no matter what I do, they will go and destroy themselves. And he is giving her a reason to fulfil her purpose. And I yeah. think that would be good if she ever had the agency to say that at any point. I can see why mm. you read it like that, because I read it like that too. Yeah, But it's never actually stated and, and also, i feel like it should be and like she learned well, it. she kind of does but she, she yeah. also learned it from a slideshow from typing war into google yeah. when there were plenty of examples in this film mm. of people treating each other really badly mm. not only people treating lilu badly but other humans treating other humans badly and maybe she could have gone huh and then we could have had a sequence where she's like putting the dots together where she's going all these people are really bad. Do I even want to save them? Which would have been mm. more effective than a yeah. slideshow <laughs> of just quick, let's just look up the 10 most Im- horrifying images of war and put them on a loop for Milijovovic to cry at. Like mm. it's just some some of the, and that's what's frustrating is some of the choices they make are really good and then they do something like that. And I'm like, what are you doing with this film? You know what you're reminding me of right now, what? Stephen? Me reading June. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> not been going well for you, has it? It's not been going well for <laughs> yeah. me. Is it very much the, oh, I can see what you were doing here. Why did you do that, though? Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's... I don't I, tell, like, yeah. like I said, I think it just goes back to it's a mainstream film, mm. or at least it was, I think it's, I don't know if it was originally pitched as that, but mm. it, it came out as a mainstream film mm. trying to deal with um, very complex topics. And, you know, you look at the one that springs to mind is... Day After Tomorrow, mm. which tries to deal with the climate crisis, mm. which strangely enough also has Ian Holm in it. Oh, yeah, he's in the research station. Yeah, 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 and he does. Um, does he try and sneak on a plane and fall out of a bundle of wires? No. Because that was great. I no. did love that. <laughs> yeah. He finally fit in that film. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's trying to deal with the climate crisis in a very sort of, oh, we just have to, you know, blast enough things <gasps> and kill enough people and we're fine. Mm. Um, and it, it's it's the Hollywood answer to any major philo- philosophical question. Mm. Blow shit up. Yeah. yeah. Would you guys like some trivia about the fifth element? Yes, because I think it'll calm you down. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Well, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. So the first bit of trivia is that the divine language spoken by Lilu was invented mm. by co-writer and director Luke Besson and further refined by Milijovovic, who had uh, a little, who, who had little trouble learning it and developing it, mm. as she was already fluent in four languages. 
Uh, the language had 400 words. Um, Besson and Jovovich held conversations and wrote letters to each other in the language's practice. By the end of filming, they were able to have full conversations in the divine language. I feel like Tolkien would have been very proud. Yeah, but then he probably would have been listening and going, oh, no, no, that's not right. You know, how oh. could you put that sound next to that sound? Oh, this is craziness. Mm. Well, it's just kind of impressive because usually, particularly nowadays, when fantasy films or sci-fi films make languages, they go and get a linguist. Mm. Um, it's is excellent. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, though, that mm. just two people who just know a couple of different languages so they understand like how languages are made a little bit mm. that go and do that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able excellent. to do it. No yeah. way. God, no. I yeah. can't even speak more than one language. And yeah. I hate that about myself. Mm. Yeah, I, it was it was great. And mm. like, again, I, I thought Jovovich's performance with those two languages mm. was, was really strong, particularly playing someone who, even though they can learn fast, yeah. it takes them time. It takes them time to learn how to put the sentences together in English. Yeah. And again, it's like, that's a clever idea. Why'd you put it next to this literal 80 foot pile of garbage you have in the film? Like it's, it's such, do it's you not, need a cup of tea, Stephen? I do. I do need a cup of tea. <laughs> but I'll, I'll put the kettle on in just a minute. Yes. No, I'm going to read some more trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put the kettle on in this house, which I built, which I now remember yes. is the new thing I was doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when composer Eric Serra showed uh, soprano Inver Muller, who dubs the voice of the diva, uh, the sheet music for the diva dance, she reportedly smiled and relayed to him that some of the notes written were not humanly possible to achieve because the human voice cannot change notes that fast. Mm-hmm. Hence, she performed the notes in isolation one by one as opposed to consecutively singing them and they were digitised and fit together within the music. Mm. Um, but I have learned subsequently that um, yeah. some people have um I don't know if it was have, some have people. It. There was definitely there's someone. A, there's at least one person. There's mm. a... I, Ellen might be able to Google for us and find out. Yeah, so Ellen, the producer yeah. in the corner of the room, can you just uh, <laughs> check who this is? Thank um, you. Yeah, there was someone who saw the film, thought, that's a cool aria, mm. didn't know that information of... That they that she sang the notes separately mm. and worked really really hard and managed it. Mm. Like I think it took her several years mm. to the, whoever this singer was to um to develop the skills, but was able to do it. Uh, I'm I'm going to invite Dr. Ellen over to the microphone to uh, relay this information. Uh, Dr. Mm. Ellen, what what information do you have? Uh, so it seems like there's at least a couple of people who've done it. There is a video on YouTube of somebody called Laura doing it in 2008. And there's also um, a Chinese opera singer called Jane Zhang who performed a rendition of it mm. in 2019 or 17. Excellent. Well, thank you very yeah. much. So, um, yeah, Special guest. feel free to Google that because uh, I probably can't put that in this program uh, for rights reasons. Um, unless someone wanted to have a crack at singing it now. <laughs> no, that's fair. Let's move on. Yeah. Luke Besson wrote the original screenplay when he was in high school. Uh, he had conceived of the story uh, of this movie and invented the world uh, as a child so that he could escape his lonely childhood. Aww. Apparently, yeah. Poor Besson. I know. I feel a little bad for shitting all over it now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's his childhood trauma right there. Well, just. <laughs> You're just annoyed. You just need a nap. I do need a nap. <laughs> and a snacky? I need a snacky and a nap. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Luke Besson demanded that most of the action shots in the movie take place in broad daylight as he was uh, tired of the dark spaceship corridors and dimly lit planets common with science fiction movies and wanted a brighter, cheerfully crazy look as opposed to a gloomy, realistic one. Mm. And I, no, no doubt he achieved that. Yeah, like, across it, the entire film, not just in those fight sequences. Yeah, it is bright and vibrant and colourful mm. and like well done that that bit was was a plus well well and truly achieved when filming began the production decided to dye miliovovich's hair from its natural brown color to her character's signature orange color but due to the fact that her hair had to be re-dyed regularly to maintain the color uh, mia's real hair quickly became too damaged and broken to withstand the dye Mm -hmm. eventually a wig was created to match the color uh, and was used for the remainder of the production. Literally the first thing I thought when she came out and like had her first scene was, I can see her roots, that's bad. Mm. Yeah, that's probably because they, they'd they already <laughs> messed up her hair by that point. Yeah. Um, also, it's just a tricky colour. It is. I mean, mm. speaking as someone who dyes her hair bright colours regularly, mm-hmm. uh, it's not something you want to do to your hair. I took mm. a break and shaved it all off. And, you know, have, was trying to go back to my normal brown for a good year before I went back to the pink. And now, like, it's only been a few months and it's already falling out. So, But it looks great. Thanks. Luke Besson wrote this story uh, and made the hero a taxi driver because his own father worked a second job as a taxi driver uh, and did this to support Luke going to art school. Oh, Most of Luke sweet. Besson's films feature a taxi driver uh, in some way or another mm. to honor his father. Again, I want to like this film. I really do. He seems like a great guy. I'm just not, I'm just not seeing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> the flying traffic created by the visual effects team at Digital Domain allowed the artist to create personalised licence plates. Although never visible in the movie, the state slogan printed on all the licence plates reads, New York! The f*** you state! <laughs> <laughs> And Stephen's like, well, this movie is the f*** you movie. Uh, no, look, I, I'm well aware that I'm, I'm just in a grumpy, tired mood um, and that this film, I could see myself liking yeah, this film I am, in a few years. I am surprised how irate this has made you because mm. I feel like you have seen other films that are exactly like this yeah. in, in, a, in a regard and you have maybe not enjoyed it, mm. but not been this angry <laughs> he walked in angry <laughs> yeah i walked in with a little cloud over my head little squiggles going rasm, 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 i mean rasm. that's how you do emotions that's, that is how we do emotions yes it's very handy like signals very well yeah i believe in good communication mm-hmm. unlike loot Besson. according to the ultimate edition dvd prince and michael jackson were the sources of inspiration for the part of ruby rod and both were considered for the role with prince being the first choice i feel like prince would have been way too subdued for it yeah i i think i think there's no doubt chris tucker was yeah was the correct choice um also because he can getting the person that inspired the role Mm. makes it difficult for them to parody yeah that type of role yeah um although i'm sure prince would have been very good um but having somebody who's a bit more removed i think was probably a wise choice there gary oldman uh is good friends with luke Besson. And uh, took his part in this movie without reading the script. This was to repay Besson for partly financing Oldman's movie, Mm. Nil by Mouth. In a 2014 interview, um, when asked if he liked this movie, Oldman stated, Oh no, I can't bear it. (laughs) 
Um, but it explained that um, it was me singing for my supper because Luke had come in and partly financed my film. Yeah. What a good friend. Yeah. yeah. What a great and, friend. And, you know, there's tons, actor, tons of actors have done that. And mm. credit to Gary Oldman, even if it was a singing for your supper, he didn't phone it in. No. Um, I think he gave as good a performance uh, or as, at least as honest a performance for this film as, as possible. Mm. And yeah. look, Stephen, we do the same sort of thing for each other all the time. <laughs> Just look at us here on your podcast. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cartoonist Jean-Claude Mezeriez of My Fifth Element uh, also says that Luc Besson uh, approached him for ideas, telling him, quote, I want to make a movie based on your visuals, but I am ready to pay you for the work, end quote. Um the nuance is because there's been a long-running controversy that many elements of the Star Wars saga, including Darth Vader's costume, Leia's gold bikini, Han Solo and Carbonite, etc., were lifted, almost unmodified, out of Valerian, which was published back in 1971. Mm. Um, of which George Lucas is known to own several original editions, as seen during interviews in his study. Um, not only did Besson use inspiration from Valerian uh, with the permission of the artist, he would later direct the movie adaption Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets from 2017. Mm. Never I'd be interested to see that. Mm. I wouldn't after this. <laughs> but but hey, maybe how, about, how about I go watch? I'll yeah. go watch it for you, and yeah. I'll let you know whether you need to make sure you have a nap before you watch yes, it. Yes, please do. <laughs> although, although I mean, there is like a, a I suppose more of an academic interest yeah. of going. You give this this creator who mm. clearly respects this this particular form this valerian yeah. artwork and has done yeah, a source text yeah. uh, d- done a done a job on trying to create it and then mm. has been given the keys 20 years later to the actual license yeah. and to see what they've done I, I would be curious from an academic standpoint i guess to see yeah. that and it could be it would be interesting as well to see what luke Besson is like 20 years later because maybe his style has um Unlike his Developed. characters, it's grown. Mm. Some of them do. Some of them do. Not many, but I was some just of doing them Stephen's do. joke for him because it's too tired and grumpy to make it. Thank you. Uh, the explosion in the main hall of the big boat was the largest indoor explosion ever filmed. Wow. The resulting fire almost went beyond control. It took 25 minutes to put out. Oh, wow. That's... I do remember when watching this going, that is a big explosion. <laughs> it's it's impressive. And it features the Bruce Willis jumping off something during an explosion shot that has to be in every one of his films. It's in his contract. Is that a joke or is that an actual thing in his contract? It's, I, I don't know if it's in his contract. It's yeah. just, it's it's the shot from Die Hard jumping yeah. off the roof. He's done it so many times <laughs> and he, he always looks great doing it. That's Maybe the... that's why, you know, he was like, okay, it's time. <laughs> so... Uh, with all that being said, it is now time for us to score the film. Sarah, it was your first time watching The Fifth Element, so what would you give it out of ten? Ooh, okay. Um, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I had a good time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was not a particularly good film, but it was well done and with what it was hmm. like I'm, I'm of such two minds here because I liked it and didn't like it at the same time. Yeah. Um, and like, even though I'm in a grumpy tired mood, <laughs> I feel the same. I like that. Just, I think you're more conflicted about it. No, no, I'm just, I, I, I've, I've picked a side. I think is the problem. Um, no, but internally. I mean. oh, oh yes. Internally. Yeah. This will, this will rummage on for a while. <laughs> um, because I'm so evenly split. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to give it five elements out of ten. 
very nicely done. Uh, what about yourself, Katrina? Well, I come from a very different background. This has a lot of childhood nostalgia <clears throat> wrapped up in it. Um, like, <laughs> whenever we were getting to the points where some of the quotes that I was like, oh, that's right. Um, a childhood friend used to quote the, I only speak English and bad English mm. line to me. That's how, like, this was in year seven yeah. kind of deal. That's how ingrained it is. Um, I know it's a bad, well, it's not a great film. It's not It's not going to win any Oscars or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it's a fun film. And for that, I give it seven and a half. Lilo Dallas Multipass. I mean, that was great when she kept saying multipass. Lilo. Yes, he knows it's a multipass. Yeah. Um, I didn't like this film. <laughs> no, I'm just what, gonna, really? Yeah, I'm just going to put it out there. I wasn't a massive fan of The Fifth Element. Um but I'm also willing to state that uh, some of that might be on me. Um, not necessarily. Look. This almost sounds like me all the time. Remember, there have been so many times yeah. in this, me doing this podcast with you. I was like, I'm a bit tired. So I didn't just didn't vibe with Yeah, it. we've switched roles. And I've, and I've pissed some people off doing that. <laughs> I seem to remember. Well, look, <laughs> it's you run the risk. Hey, you, you, you haven't pissed me off. Oh, thank you. Well, I haven't done the score yet. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, then Um, I will flip the table. It's... Not my table in my new house. (laughs) It's... It tries really hard and achieves some of the things that it sets out to do. Is is the... The producer is enjoying this. Yes, it is the nicest way I can put it in terms of... (laughs) It, it, it is visually striking. Even mm. 25 years on from it being released, mm. it is... I, I can't think of many films I've seen which are like it. Yeah. Uh, I can certainly think of films that I've seen which have clearly been influenced by it now. Yeah. But there the really aren't many that look like it. There, there was some great... It does the thing that films like Mad Max Fury Road did mm. where I did want to know bits about the world more that weren't mm. explained to me. Like the food vendor in the boat that came to his flat. It's like my favourite part. Yeah, that was great. Um, that was like such a just like a fun unique thing and I'm like what's his day like how many flats does he go to does he bet all the people that the next (laughs) thing's gonna be good news also it shows the main character like just being a friend just being a pal like he doesn't get to bond with anyone yeah do you know why because they didn't write that into any of the other characters because he's talking to his friend on the phone Fingers. I mean, fing- no, kind finger. of finger. Yeah, like, but that that didn't feel like a friendship. It that... really didn't. Oh, I'm... it's an antagonistic friendship. Yeah. So yeah. like, I, I just it was nice to see him just hanging, just mm. be like, here's my pal who I see every day for lunch yeah. at the same time. Because otherwise, mm. he's getting bopped on the head by Ian Holm. He's running around after Lilo. His mum's ringing up and berating him the entire <laughs> yeah. time. Like he's, I feel sorry for him at the same time. Do not like him. <laughs> it's, it's it's which I think is actually really like the ideal Bruce Willis character yeah. to be honest, where you. Some aspects of his character, you're like, oh, man, he, he's hard done by. And other aspects, you're like, no, no, you brought this on yourself. <laughs> um, but, but but it's a mess. The film is a complete mess. The story, I didn't care. I, I was I was on the side of the void, just <laughs> coming in and destroying the planet. The, the New York of the future looked like a nightmarish, sort of like MC Asher, nether ending sort of monster of our own creation. But that... you know that's good. that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I know, but don't t- I don't want to know that. That's right, we won't be alive. Yeah, yeah true. it's just, and like, you know, it's got Ian Holm running around being a confused 
old man and that's really fun but and like you know gary oldman's weird as shit and they've got all these puppets but it's just i'll tell you what it felt like it felt like a live action rick and morty Mm. uh but without the humor that's that's what it felt like 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 rick and morty um i i like but i do have some issues with it Mm. this felt like a less clever rick and morty Mm. is i guess what i would say Uh, a less well-written one and that show is not necessarily always well written it's there's just a lot going on and i've got a tired little head (laughs) like (laughs) it's it's a it's a three and a half out of ten film is what it is it is it, it is that that that's that's the number i settled on around the time that Zorg got killed by the second bomb. As when that came <laughs> I out, I was like, bomb. I was just like, I was like, I was hovering around a five. That happened, and I just went, <laughs> score just dropped. Uh, it's, it's, it is a film that, uh, as we can clearly see, creates many, many different opinions. Um, well, that means Dr. Stephen Platt mm. of science fiction fame. Yes. Mm. You're uh, gonna do better, right? Am I? You're going to go out there and you're going to write something based off your spite for this film and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> mm, That's my challenge I to you. I kind of feel like I already have. That's the thing. Um, AtlantisRadioPlay.com uh, But it's... Um, <laughs> it's Look, it's not for me. I, I think it's it's very clear that, that I've watched this and I've gone, mm. you know what? I didn't like it. It's like me watching Rock of Ages. No, my my mm. challenge to you would be give it a couple of years. Yeah rewatch it mm. when you're when you're not so tired i have a feeling i will watch this again i'm, yeah. I'm certainly not sitting here going oh never yeah. again you know like and there have been films we've done this program <laughs> where i'm like even films i've quite liked where i've gone yeah but that was a one-time only deal well, maybe what we'll do is we'll tie you to a chair and be like it's either this or spice girls oh the face the mm. face <laughs> oh, i, I still to... haven't seen spice world so well i have to be here. look Look, I have to. The fact I have to think about it <laughs> is not good for this film. <laughs> it's all I'll say. Um, but uh, it it was still a pleasure mm. being in this lovely new house that you own, Sarah. <laughs> Which I definitely remember doing. W- yeah, watching the Fifth Element with you both. So, uh, Sarah, Katrina, thank you so much for joining me on this mental breakdown that I'm having. <laughs> Uh, during... We'll go get you some dessert, shall yeah, we? We'll go get yes. you some tea. Yes. Uh, while... Tuck you in. Yes, while they prepare to uh, tuck me into my day bed. Thank you uh, very much for listening at home, folks. Um, look, if you love The Fifth Element and you've sat through this, um, you're a better person than me. <laughs> um, and just, if you if you have thoughts on The Fifth Element and you want to let me know that, yeah, I agree, the film is kind of overrated or Stephen you're wrong and you need a nap go go watch it again in a week and you'll see that it's actually a piece of genius by all means just to say I will not say it's a piece of genius okay okay but it is fun yeah that's all oh yeah it it is fun anyway if you want to if you want to tell me anything go to facebook.com and search for the cinema catch-up club find the page give it a like leave us a comment uh, we also have a Patreon. Um, if you uh, want your own version of the multi-pass to uh, various fun episodes, uh, bonus contents, 
things like that. In some of them, Stephen doesn't get so angry at the film. <laughs> in some of them, I get angry at the film. Yes. Uh, and if you want to hear what that sounds like, uh, go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. Um, the bonus episodes we do where we release uh, clips from the cutting room floor may have clips from this episode. I'm just... <laughs> I, All I sing along. I can feel of, it of already. Stephen just going, what the actual f***? I yeah. feel like we need to find a movie I really hated because... I don't think I've ever reacted this strongly to a film. You've never been this tired, I'm guessing. Is, oh, oh um, no. Do you remember Australia? Oh, good point, actually, yeah. Like, yeah. we were, like, falling asleep as we spoke. Yeah. Well, it's a boring film. <laughs> it's yeah. a long film. And we were in the middle of show week. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yes, bonus content there over at patreon.com. And, uh, finally, you can subscribe a new episode each and every week. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on your uh, podcast provider of choice. Spotify, SoundCloud the others <laughs> i've just i've got nothing left i i he doesn't care about those i'm sorry peasants. i shouldn't laugh at your pain so much but I, it's hilarious I've, pain yeah look look i i've just got nothing left this film has robbed it of me and oh. I, i'm going goodbye everyone let's get him some apple pie hello dallas Hey, we forgot. <laughs> um, in, in, in all of this, we were actually meant to be talking about Bruce Willis, who is um, retiring uh, mm. from acting. Uh, and, and sadly, it's not a uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah, I've had enough uh, kind of retirement. Unfortunately, yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's for health issues. Uh, he has a, um, aphasia diagnosis, um, which... Um, Affects his cognition, amongst other things. Yeah, yeah. which which does mean that um, yeah, it, it's going to make acting not really a possibility for him yeah. going forward. Um, but but Katrina, we spoke a little bit about Bruce Willis before, and and specifically about the types mm. of characters that he plays. Yeah. Um. What are your thoughts on him? I'm curious. Well, we, we haven't I'm, really spoken I'm, about him. I, to be honest, I have no massive opinion. In mm. some ways, it would have been better for you to get my partner Scott on here mm. because he has seen Fifth Element, enjoys mm. it, possibly could have argued with you better mm. because, you know, you both have a film degree. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, and he is also a Bruce Willis fan. Mm. Um, I think Bruce Willis is just emblematic of a fantasy for many men. Mm. Um, I, I personally, my personal favourite film of Bruce Willis is Red. Um, because I think I also just think that film is fantastic and humorous and yeah. lovely. Um, I think he's he's interesting in that he has he has managed to redevelop himself as he has aged. Whereas mm. you compare to him to like Stallone or Schwarzenegger or Tom Cruise, maybe I guess they're of the same era. Um, Schwarzenegger and Stallone, I, in my personal opinion, have well. Schwarzenegger's not acting anymore. Yeah, arguably he has developed towards other things. Yeah, yeah, and for for good or ill. And Stallone seems to have just developed more drug habits, I think. Um, not sure about that, but, you know, stab in the dark. Um, yeah, I... 
he he comes across to me as a very sort of working class kind of actor mm. in a weird way. Although now he's a multimillionaire, so yeah. Um, he he's just kind of always been in the background. Um, would never, I would never go actively out of my way to go see a Bruce Willis film, but mm. he's still. You you expect a a reasonable level of quality from him. I can't even think of other Bruce Willis films I've seen. Yeah, I mean, looking for his filmography, I'm, I'm I, there are quite a lot that I've seen that I quite liked, but yeah. they're not they're not films that I'm like, ah, yes, the films that define me. Yeah. So like the Die Hard series is, hmm. I think, the thing he's going to be remembered for the most. most yeah. And I've only seen that in bits and stuff. Well, mm. and rightly so. D- yeah. Die Hard one is he's sensational yeah, and he, he is sensational in it mm. um and it does feel as though a lot of the films that came after it were reflective of that and sometimes they worked like die hard 2 and mm. 3 and sometimes they didn't like die hard 4 and 5 uh, but but you, you also look at things like the last boy scout from the early 90s that was mm. quite good despite you know being sort of like a generic action flick but um i, I remember enjoying that i mean when he's playing uh, Butch uh, in um, Pulp Fiction. Mm. Uh, he's really good in that film. And, you know, Pulp Fiction is a a very good film for lots of reasons, yeah. but he is one of them. He puts in a, a really quite good performance. Obviously, people will be shouting, what about 12 Monkeys? You've not spoken about 12 Monkeys. Um, you know, I really Ar- like that film. Yeah, Armageddon, yeah. again, you know, it's a bit of a let's send the people up to blow up the space rock mm. kind of film, but he, he does that well. Um, Sixth Sense... Um, I think is maybe a decent shout for the, the best for his, acting he's yeah, done. Yeah, for his emotional yeah. range. Yeah. Or slightly more emotional range. Yeah. Um, I will argue that I think he is very one notey, but or at least maybe at most two notes. Mm. Um, but they're reasonable notes, and if he finds the right vehicle for it, he's usually pretty good. Mm. Um. Will, like, in a hundred years' time, will he be still known as a famous actor? Probably not. But maybe he will for Die Hard because, mm. as I understand, and you can correct me or agree with me in this, Stephen, since you've got the film degree, um, the character of McLean was kind of a first for mm. the type of sort of hero that he was. Yeah, I mean, one... Um don't don't mistake anyone having a degree. I mean, they know what they're talking about. Oh, but, yeah, but, but you've had but, to study it a bit more. I've had than to me. study it a tiny bit uh, <laughs> many years ago. Um, yeah, so so McLean and Die Hard. One of the reasons why John McLean stands out is because mm. at the time that that film came out in 1989, almost all of your action hero stars were the the ubermensch. Mm. You know, they were. Arnie in Predator, where there's like biceps stacked on top of biceps. You yeah. know, the son of a beach hand yeah. coming together and it's just like two giant muscular pythons wrestling with each other. <laughs> like that, it comes from that era, you know, um, mm. Stallone's Rambo, yeah. um, you know, all, all of these sort of like Jean-Claude Van Damme. They're like, not only are they masculine, they're hyper-masculine, mm. you know. Um, Arnie's Conan the Barbarian is just, again, it's muscles on top of muscles and everything's mm. big and huge and oiled. And then you get John McClane, who is... Certainly not like still a, a guy. very masculine. He's still a very masculine guy, but he's not like a bodybuilder or yeah, anything like that. He's a laid like back masculine. Uh, he's not, and, and, and like he makes mistakes mm. almost the entire way. It, it, to be honest, the only figure I can think of that maybe predated him that sort of reflected this, but 
is still protected a bit by the sort of superhero blanket is Indiana Jones. Mm. Indiana Jones would make mistakes during his films, but the consequences felt less severe because there was still that fantasy element around Mm. Indy where you'd always go, he'll figure out another way to use the whip to save him, even Mm. if this time it didn't work. With John McClane, like when, when he... And when the terrorists realize he's running around in bare feet and they start shooting out windows and then you face the fact that he has to run through glass to to save his life. There is a consequence to that where he then is then severely hampered for the rest Mm. of the film. And we have a scene where he has to pick the glass out of his feet. Um, And it's like that was something that hadn't really been seen in these films where it was like there was a hero who had very obvious vulnerabilities and it's interesting then because really all we're talking about is the character which yes bruce willis has like at that time (coughs) he would have been offered the role Mm. he as a person as an actor made the choice to do that role Mm. and maybe some of those reasons were there um like some of the reasons within the character were Mm. there prior to die hard and like die hard was a bit of a risk Mm. because of bruce willis Mm. Because he was known as a comedy actor prior to that. Yeah, but moonlighting and yeah. things like that. Um, so it's interesting then that kind of diehard defines his entire career because you see the John McClane character almost completely throughout his entire career. There's mm. very few characters that he does. To be fair, I don't know his entire filmography. Mm. There's very few characters that he does that aren't John McClane in a different scenario. Yeah. He hit a niche yeah. and he's made and he an entire And he works it very it. well. Yeah. And he plays that character well. And mm. obviously it is, it is sad the reason that he's had to stop yeah. acting. And obviously, uh, you know, we wish him well mm. and um, hope he has a long and fruitful life ahead of him still. But, um, you know, he's, you know he's, he's, he's done some pretty good films. Yeah. And The Fifth Element. So, <laughs> you know, he's... <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, we, we did forget that this was technically a Bruce Willis special. So um, thank you for listening to this extra bit. Uh, and have uh, a great time until next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.